This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. So 208 of the Yellow Wallpots. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, to talk things about Borussia Dortmund. And uh, yeah, we have to talk about the Bayern Munich game, of course. Some may call it their classical term that's well established since 2013. And uh, we are here. We have four guys to discuss all that. And uh, once again, join me, Konstantin Eckner. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm fine. That is very good to hear. Lars Pollmann also here. How are you doing, Lars? Also fine, Stefan. How are you? I'm doing very well myself. Thank you. And Matthias Zug, finally back, has overcome illness. Matthias, are you doing better now? I'm doing much better. Thank you. That is good to hear. And yeah, Borussia Dortmund after 11 match days are only on third place. Bayern Munich six points ahead of Dortmund and only four points ahead of Leipzig because they are second now um, because they won the other, I guess, top spiel against Hanover of all teams who were in fourth at the start of match day 11, but no longer are because Dortmund now are level on points with Schalke. So a lot of bad news in a couple of sentences. Um, and I, I must say we had such a long pre-talk about everything, but not, not about what we would dis discuss now. Obviously we have a Q and A after we discussed the Bayern game because we asked for listener questions and it, it is an international break. So we need something to talk about. So thanks to everyone for sending in all these nice questions. So without any further ado, Dortmund won Bayern three. Lars, um, Peter Bosch started with a 4-2-3-1 formation of sorts. Um, what do you make of that? Well, I do appreciate that he didn't do what often is uh, a criticism towards him. Uh, that is that he's overly stubborn. So, I mean, going into a meeting with Bayern in, in this current runoff form for both teams with his usual 4-3-3 style would probably have been a complete disaster as opposed to the mild disaster this game turned out to be for Dortmund. So I generally appreciated the thought process behind changing it up a bit, but then again, playing Gonzalo Castro next to Julian Weigel as the midfield pairing didn't really make sense in my opinion. And then the, the cardinal mistake and, and what perhaps decided the game against Dortmund was playing Jabulenko ahead of Mark Bartra on the right wing. Uh, Jabulenko's defensive contributions were absolutely appalling because they were mostly non-existent. I mean, he didn't really track back. And when he did, he didn't really know how to position himself, how to get into duels and how to not get overrun by Alaba and Coman. So 
Dortmund conceded from his mistakes, I guess, uh, even though two of the goals came over the left side of Dortmund's defense, but those were uh, after overloads from Jabulenko's right side. So uh, going with the a bit deeper uh, wingers in this game with Pulisic and Jabulenko, I didn't really understand why Maxi Philipp wasn't starting because he's probably the best defensively uh, out of those three and he wasn't even in the, in the squad without being injured so I, I I don't know what was up there and generally as I said I, I did appreciate the thought process but I think the personnel didn't match the ideas very well yeah that's I I, I feel like that's a theme for uh most parts of the season and of course we have questions about Yamolenko but more on that later um Matthias, I think Michael Zorg after the game said that uh, there are two truths to the game. On the one hand, Dortmund more or less, especially in the first half, were always uh, running behind, always one step too late. And the other truth is that uh, they would have had the chance to take away something from that, I think is what he said. Um, you know, if we look at the good old expected goals, Dortmund's, you know, are ahead depending on the model, by by entire goal or even not. And uh, I would say if you count up the chances, it's pretty even. So um, did Dortmund deserve to lose or were they unlucky or both? Uh, I would say all of the above. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't really look a lot at expected goals. I know that doesn't make me very trendy, but maybe it's because I'm old. Uh, I, yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. No, but I, I like <laughs> yeah. to actually watch the matches and, and see what what's really happening. And Dortmund were unlucky. Um, I mean, if you think about was it the second goal that took that really funky deflection that kind of ballooned it right over Bürki. Um Whereas then just prior to that, I think it was Kagawa had a deflection that just barely made the ball miss the goal. So yeah, there was, there was lack of luck, uh, definitely in it. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of times the team that deserves to win does. Um, overall, Bayern were better because they were more clinical. Um, did Dortmund, if Dortmund would have gotten a draw, would that have been an okay result given the overall performance? I think so, but also losing. Um, wasn't undeserved. Like Bayern have had undeserved victories before. This wasn't necessarily one of them. Uh, you gotta take your chances against Bayern. It's, it's, I forgot what match I was watching, even against like a team like Barcelona against Sevilla. Sevilla wasn't using their chances. Barcelona beats them. You have to use your chances against teams like this. If you don't, you're gonna lose. It's just a fact. Yeah, especially if Bayern are as efficient as they were last Saturday. Um, Konstantin, I read your piece on Spielverlagerung <laughs> and um, it was, I, I wouldn't say it was interesting to see how little you wrote, but uh, you basically admitted that this game more or less tactically bored you. Um, why was that? <laughs> well, because uh, what basically happened was that both teams uh, defended so what we call man orientated, um, which basically, I mean, which is a better term for man marking because man marking is usually, is usually the wrong term. Um, but, 
the problem was just that that Dortmund on the one hand, um, you know, as as you already discussed, um, that Bosch decided to go for four to three one and just met men marking all the Bayern uh, Bayern players um across the field. And Bayern did basically the same with a few better pressing triggers here and there, a few better um things overall they did a few things better overall but um at the end it was just a boring game i, I, I was i was thinking i was watching a premier league match uh, from a few years ago which is which may might be the case because i mean watching you know liverpool against arsenal from a few a few years ago it it tests you know there are some similarities um so um i was just i mean what came to my mind is that uh how the match quality how the quality of the match between uh, a Bayern Dortmund match has just declined over the past three years or so, and yeah, and that was quite shocking. I mean, I, I I don't I don't think I fought the same last year. It's just you know that's the first match in the. It's it's basically still Angelotti's Bayern, but um, of course now on the Heinkes. Uh, but still, uh, more or less, I mean, there's Angelotti's influence, and and uh, Dort- uh, Bosch Dortmund is just not there right now. Um, and what I would criticize is, uh, of course, first, uh, or what I was, what, what I would criticize um, regarding Bosch's performance as a coach, is that first, of course, um, uh, the players he choose. Um, first and foremost, I mean, I mean, Lars already mentioned Yamolenko. I think, I think, if you want to have uh, so, uh, so to say, defensive uh, wingers, then you have to go with uh, Rafael Guerrero instead of Yamolenko, because yeah, I mean, the the Dortmund's right side was the weak spot uh, it was just it was so easy you know kingsley command was moving to the middle at uh, butter was of course following him because they were ma- uh, playing a man orientated def- uh, defensive scheme yeah but there uh, was also half as following the the moment you're talking about uh, right now he, he was he was following him but he, he wasn't fo- he wasn't fully committed to it because he's still defender and he still knows normally i have to protect the offside line so um so that's just the problem, you know. Um, uh, playing like that, uh, it, it usually it doesn't work out, especially with with like modern players such as uh, Batra. And yeah, and Yamolenko was just always one second too late. I mean, his decision making is so awful um, uh, defensively, especially because he just needed one second longer than than Alaba. And when when he, he was about to you know to start running. Alaba was already uh, half across the uh, the field, so um, yeah, I mean, Yamaling was clearly the wrong choice there. Um, you can you, we could also talk about Castro because Castro is not the playmaking uh, center midfielder, just too slow, n- not the right decision making. Um, as I as I have mentioned before, low impact player, just a low impact player, someone who is good when everyone is good, but who can't, who isn't, who isn't good when the team struggles. Um, that is so very th- ironic, though. Because Why? his first touch seems to have a very high impact yeah. with the ball and it goes very far away from him. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, Davy Selke um, first touch. Um, yeah, and 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 Toprak, I mean, playing as the as the left sided centre back, uh, usually he was the one guy who was open or had some some openings, but he didn't just or he he didn't had had um, um, didn't have I don't know the balls maybe the wrong wrong joy uh, the wrong world choice, but you know he wasn't you know committed to uh, advancing through the half space uh and there were openings i mean it was just apart from Pulisic, there was not one other Dortmund player who tried to triple here and there who tried something because there were openings and there were there were chances to 
to do something against the Spire on defense because they weren't that good. Um, but they didn't. And so so there's some criticism towards uh, Bosch and there's some criticism towards the players. I mean, I named a few. And there's some criticism towards all defenders because ball watching is, is actually what they are doing uh, all the time. Um, you know, they are never in the position to uh, be ready for, for a sprint uh, towards their own goal. They all, always, they're always ball watching. They're always waiting. And then when the long ball comes you know they are out of position or they are you know they are overlapped by by Bayern players uh or by opposing player i mean they ca- can can be Hoffenheim uh, Hannover players or Bayern players it doesn't matter really um and also just one la- last thing is that um or you know uh, especially um regarding the ball watching issue is that uh one really simple attacking pattern by, uh, shown by Bayern was that they just advanced um, usually you know through the left side and then just one backward pass, and and all the, all the defenders, Socrates, Toprak, Batra, they were all just watching the ball. And then from there, there was one diagonal ball towards uh, uh, Robin, and usually, you know, Robin was was behind the line. It was so easy because uh, they were never in the position, and they should watch some uh, Tottenham Hotspurs actually, because Tottenham Hotspurs they they are they are doing it the right way. The back line does it the right way. Um, and they're also, you know, they play a high line, but a really compact formation. And they normally are in the position to just start running when, when the oppo- uh, opponents start running. So, and that should be the case when you are playing with a high line and when you know that there, there will be some long balls behind you. Yeah, uh, there's a Twitter account. I think Jens Schuster underscore de is yeah. his name. He's, who, he's a, he's a coach for, uh, he's a youth coach for Hoffenheim. Yeah, and he actually highlights that uh, on various screenshots that uh, several Dortmund players, not even defenders, but midfielders as well, are, are ball watching. And, and yeah, I think he also criticizes the uh, way um, players are standing toward the ball, how their angles are, how their body movement is and whatnot. So um, that's, that's quite interesting. And uh, the question I have... And I don't know if you can answer that. Uh, I certainly cannot. Um, what do you have to do as a coach to influence your players that they improve in that regard? Like, do you know, Constantine, what they actually have to do to stop ball watching and start acting, quote unquote? I that's there's a it's a mix uh, of uh, watching tape. I mean, usually a, a tactical training. You know, te- uh, tactical training is usually a mix of of watching tape and uh, doing exercises on the field. Um, it's of course pretty pretty tough to do that during the season. Uh, and now the international break, a lot of players are gone, namely Socrates, for instance, uh, who plays for Greece. Um, I don't know if Bartra Bar- is uh, has been called. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, Toprak is, I think, also playing for Turkey. Toprak's t- playing for Turkey. Yeah. So, um, well, they are all gone. So, um, you you can't do anything with them right now. Um, I also think Götze is, is is playing for Germany. Um, I don't know about Weigel, but you know, it's just a problem. Of course, the international break is also not the right time. And during the the season, you try to do you do the basic, you know, fitness stuff. You do you do. B- basic exercises normally uh, because that's that's something that's a uh, deep lying issue actually and and uh, it's something um, you need more than a few days on the training pitch and a few days in the in the um, you know in the, I don't know TV room or whatever in the, in the club cinema so to say um, 
so yeah, uh, but you can do that actually, and it's something uh, our coaches do with, uh, or do during the summer, for instance, with their players. I don't know if it's Bosch's fault because I mean he he came in uh, during the summer, uh, tried to implement his own system. Uh, I don't know if he just if he didn't really or if he didn't realize how bad some of the players are uh, in regards to you know just watching the ball and doing uh, any, anything other than that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's it's not normally you would expect that players at that level would be a little bit better, uh, but the entire ball watching issue uh, is nothing new actually because we I think we talked about it last year as well. Yeah, it is not exactly new, and uh, yeah, it's it's always a question no one can really answer because no one of us is on the training ground and and with the staff and and actually sees what they are working on, and uh, it might as well. Be that details like those get lost just as uh, Dortmund players too often forget uh, in in which kind of foot to pass into of their teammates. You know, some are left-footed, some are right-footed, you know, and sometimes I feel like this gets mixed up. Thomas Tuchel would get really mad, but uh, yeah, Peter Bosch does not. So that's, that's another issue that... Uh, uh, is visible sometimes and especially when Dortmund go down they completely lose their shit sometimes um Matthias uh from a tactical standpoint Konstantin already just made a couple of points and he of course said that uh yeah some players also just weren't overly committed and uh, as always coaches before a Bayern game talk a lot about courage um after six games without a win i think bearing that magdeburg game matthias do you think that this vital courage that you need in the pressing game especially was just lacking well yeah if if you compare beginning of the season pressing to now pressing especially the way bosch likes it so from it the is more depressing I, yeah <laughs> yes from the attacking players um i I'm trying to figure out why, you know, if Obama Young is just there, uh, cause he's, he fills space, but he doesn't do that well either. It, you know, when psychologically speaking, when you're in this kind of rut, whether you're playing a football match or even just in life, you tend to snowball things pretty quickly. And that can happen in, a, in an instance with Bayern, you know, they score a goal. And you could just tell the momentum wasn't with Dortmund. They, they were like, oh, okay, well, looks like we're going to lose this match. Second half was much better. And you saw that when Dortmund actually scored that late goal, all of a sudden there was more energy in it. And that's really something that was missing from the work going. It's been missing for a few few weeks now. Even against Magdeburg, uh, they didn't really press well. They got away with it because Magdeburg's a third-tier side, but that's about it. So I, I think it's a, it's a psychological problem when I'm already looking forward to Royce being back because I don't see Royce falling into those pitfalls. I, you've always seen that with Obama Young, um, that he just was it against Benfica last year in the Champions League where he probably had one of the worst matches I've ever seen him play. And he, he gets in his own head and he's in a funk and he's in a massive funk right now. And it's so vital that those attacking three players, so the two wingers and the central striker, press for Bosch when they don't, it all kind of falls apart on him. Yeah, that is very true. Um, 
when we talk about a lack of aggression, uh, I am very quick to talk about Julian Weigel. And um, this is something we've seen quite often from him that uh, physically he's just competitive, I guess, sometimes. And uh, before the first goal went in, uh, he missed a very crucial or, or lost a very crucial tackle against uh, Kingsley Coman, I think it was. In, in midfield where he just went down, uh, goes down like a wet sack of potatoes. And, uh, yeah, a couple of moments later, uh, James gets the ball and, uh, dupes Schmelzer with a simple chest control and then passes it to Robben. And then it was Ulmer Toprak very far away. And, uh, I don't know. It was kind of the theme of the game that Toprak always was a meter or two, too far away from his, opponent or marker and the same counts for Socrates but he wasn't punished as much as, as Toprak was um, Lars of course you are the biggest proponent of Ömer Toprak on the yellow wall pot and I understand why but um, uh, what do you make of this showing? Yeah he, he didn't play well um, You there, there's not much of an excuse I can make because he's such an experienced player and he's been in big-ish games even though playing for Leverkusen you don't really get the same style of game that you get when you play with Dortmund against Bayern. There's always much more of a focus on that game. I think he just had a bad bad day at the office. That can happen. I mean, generally speaking, I think he's been probably their most consistent centre-back this season. He's certainly been better than Socrates, in my opinion. And Batra hasn't really gotten the chance to play his natural position in the last few weeks, so... Uh, I would I would say that Batra and Zagadou offer the most potential at center back, but so far this season, I think Topak has been without being great. You know, he's been slightly above average, perhaps, but that has been enough to, in my opinion, be the best center back Dortmund have. So that's a problem in and of itself. But against Bayern, he was just not good. But the same can be said, obviously, about Yamolenko, as we talked about already. Uh, Castro Schmelzer had a terrible game, uh, which is kind of something that happens a lot to him when he's not in the absolute top physical shape, I guess. So I think there were a lot of instances, not only with Topak, but also with other players where they were, you know, that, that one second too late or the one or two yards too far away from their opponents. And that, I mean, if this was still Thomas Tuchel coaching Dortmund, we all know he would have talked about uh, sharpness after the game and, and, Schärfe, as he used to say in German all the time after games they didn't perform well in. And I think this time around it would have been a, a, a fair comment on the game that something was just lacking in terms of sharpness and, and aggression, as you said a moment ago. So uh, coming back to an earlier question of you, uh, yes, Dortmund were unlucky, but I don't think anyone can with any confidence say at any point in this game they felt like Dortmund could win this. So at the end of the day, they certainly deserve to lose, in my opinion. And much of that is down to these singular moments because, uh, as Konstantin alluded to, Bayern weren't all that uh, great themselves. So it, it wouldn't have taken too great a performance from Dortmund to actually get something out of this. But it's, I guess, an indictment on the on Dortmund situation and perhaps the entire Bundesliga that this Bayern Munich side can, can lead the league comfortably. Uh, despite a coaching change and despite not being close to uh, the potential that lies in that squad personnel wise. I don't know if four points are that comfortable now, but 
I, coming I, from coming from where they were when they sacked Ancelotti, I think uh, they they will be just about fine with that. Yeah, I, I guess so, but we will see. I wouldn't count out Leipzig just now. Uh, <laughs> Matthias, um, Lars already mentioned that a couple of, of players uh, were just not there on the day and it has sparked into a more general discussion about the overall quality in the squad. We've seen tweets on Twitter uh, basically creating lists of players that gotta go and that the squad needs an overhaul and uh, similar um What are your takes on on that? Do you do you feel like the likes of Castro or Toprak, Sokratis, and who else was mentioned? Schmelzer, Shine. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think even Aubameyang was included on that list. Um, do you think that those are players that uh, are too mediocre for Dortmund's ambitions? No, I think those kind of lists, I mean, you know, Twitter is Twitter. I think those kind of lists are total bullshit, to be honest. I think the quality of the squad on a player for player basis is the second best in the Bundesliga. I don't, I, I would challenge you to say who player for player is a better on paper quality of squad. They're going through a funk right now. It happens. Um, you know, my opinion when you're like, Oh, these are the people that need to be, sacked or these are the people that need to be transferred out and and i said this on twitter too is like y'all need to calm the hell down i mean this team isn't a team of bums not even close to that whether it's players or coaches they're just going through a bad phase it happens they went through a great phase in the beginning now they're going through a bad phase Bayern went through a poor phase now they're going through a better phase um it's it, it happens i don't really see a reason to fall into the panic that people are talking about are there players where i question their performances on occasion yeah um some players that everybody thinks is going to be the answer like a dahoud i totally disagree with he to me has underperformed this season and underwhelmed Uh, far too many bad passes overall. And so I can understand why maybe you trust Castro over Dahoud simply because you think his experience will get you there. Uh, Dahoud has not played well, uh, since coming to Dortmund. In fact, he hasn't played well in a year. Even the last half of the season at, 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 Bayer, uh, at, uh, Gladbach, he didn't play well at all. So it's a longer form problem for him. I think these kind of lists and this kind of talk is completely idiotic at this point. You may want to revisit it at the end of the season when it's all said and done. Right now, honestly, it's just stupid. So what's your list, Konstantin? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, uh, just, you know, separating the one issue or separating um, the question whether the squad ha needs an oval from, uh, from the situation in the Bundesliga itself I mean that I think that that would be better because even if Dortmund would would be you know leading the Bundesliga there's still there is still room for improvement uh, regarding the squad I think there are some mediocre players who are also too expensive I mean if you have a few mediocre players and you know they don't cost shit then all right why not um, it doesn't matter really but um, you got a few ex really expensive players And you have to think about replacing them. Uh, of course, it will be pretty um, difficult to sell them 
Um, so yeah, well, I, I'm. I mean, and naming a few, I don't know. I mean, the obvious obvious ones are Rhoda and and, and Shirley, and, and, and so like, I mean, you know that. Um, but I also think that um, age wise, um, Dortmund needs to revamp a few things and needs to um, change a few things uh, in next summer, because slowly uh, but surely, uh, Dortmund has become an old team. Not only like. Of course, age-wise, and also like uh, you know, just uh, looking uh, looking at the miles some players have now. Um, so I think I mean you can you can be Nuri Shahin, you not 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 even thirty years old, but you know if miles like uh, um, like a thirty-five year old. Um, so yeah, I th- I think you you need to you need to replace a few players and um, and just. Yeah, if you, if you cut some of the let's say dead meat, I mean I don't know I I know it it sounds it sounds bad, but uh, if you cut some of the bad uh, dead meat, you you have free money uh, to sign new players and actually pay uh, the vetches. So um, that's something you have to do, I guess. Um, and Dortmund needs a f- needs new fresh blood young players uh, in the in the defense and also I think center forward. Maybe you need need new player. And central midfield as well, because I, I don't think that that uh, right now the, I mean it's 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 good enough to you know to finish in the top three or four in the Bundesliga, but I think the ambition of Dortmund is uh, far higher than that, and I think and then also I mean right now the the squad is still good, but next year will be one year older, and uh, you've got a few players who haven't made any or haven't had any impact whatsoever, um, a name to already uh so yeah you have to get rid of them it's as bad as it might sound but i think that's the right way and and looking at the back line you you should get rid of one of the older defenders and replace them with a younger one you know stuff like that and and thinking about the full back position the right back position especially um you need a new player there um you need a you need a new center midfielder and you new center forward and so yeah, there's just some there's room for improvement, and I think Dortmund is am- ambitious enough to to not wait uh, too long. Because look, you know, just just look at what Bayern did in the past few years. They didn't really, or they had they made a, f- a few bad signings on or signings who where they really hoped that uh, the players would replace the older one, the older god, you know, like Douglas Costa, for instance. Uh, but they didn't. Um, so now they are stuck with an also rather old squad and uh, with an old attacking department where they now have to replace basically three or four starters next season uh, next summer or the summer uh, in 2019 so and that's not a, that's not a great situation especially in a in a day and age where uh, every you know decent player costs above 25 million yeah i guess so and uh you know, to support what you just said, uh, Dortmund's starting eleven was actually older than Bayern's, yeah. which doesn't happen often, <laughs> I think. And uh, yeah, that's that's quite an interesting. And uh, yeah, we will see, we will see what happen um, happens. Last um, a couple of final points we have to make on on, on this game. First of all, Constantine talked about room for improvement, and I still have to talk about. Yamolenko because he did not only defend very I don't know it's just atrocious uh he also did not finish his his chances that he 
had. Do you think that's also just a value of form or do you think that uh, Yamolenko, the way he plays for Dortmund, is uh, not a player you can uh, field in a lineup when you have a big match? I wouldn't go that far, uh, even though I'm still not entirely sure how good Yamolenko really is. I think he probably played a bit above his level to start his Dortmund career for those first few matches because Dortmund were in a fairly good swing of form at the time. Uh, you know, that just look at the Bundesliga table. But, and, and opponents uh, had less material on him, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how much, uh, opponents scout individual players. I mean, that's a discussion for another show, I guess, but, uh, you also have to just look at the opponents Dortmund played. And, uh, I made that point a couple of times already that, Dortmund just didn't play anyone, uh, picked up all those wins and that raised expectations unreasonably. So, uh, that's part of the problem for Bosch, for example. I think that, I think they are at some point uh, victims of their own success. But coming back to Yarmolenko, as, as, as I said, I'm not entirely sure how good he really is. I think he's better than what he's doing so far and probably not as good as he looked at, at, at the start of his Dortmund career. So ultimately, He's certainly a downgrade to Usman Dembele, but everybody in Dortmund's uh, price range would have been. But I do think it's fair to uh, wonder how good he really is and, and, and what he can really do for Dortmund. Because as we just now saw quite vividly, he's not good at defending, which is kind of a big deal as for a winger, especially in big games, as you alluded to, Stefan. So I do wonder... Uh, how much trust Bosch will have in him for the next big game. I don't know. That's the, the Riviere Derby, for example. I mean, he's also known as a bit of a hothead, so, uh, might be difficult to play him against Schalke, even though he's new to the club and doesn't really know the rivalry, but I'm sure he's, I'm sure there are some rivalries in Ukraine, so he's, he will have some idea. And you may be looking at the, at the cup game against Bayern, the last game of 2017 for Dortmund, and after you, after what you've just seen from Yamolenko against Bayern, uh, at home and at Dortmund, I don't think you can... I mean, obviously a lot of water will flow down the Ruhr until then, but still, I, I don't think you would right now put Yamolenko in a lineup against Bayern again, so I do think it's fair to wonder what his ceiling for Dortmund is, I guess, and, and what his floor is, because we don't know that he... That either at this point and, and what his role will be going forward, because I think we all agree that Polistic has to be considered the, the main winger for Dortmund. And I think uh, Philip has done largely well. And even when he's not contributing much going forward, you know, he's had some quiet games going forward. He always does his job defensively, which is more than we can say about Yarmolenko, uh, on, on the basis of recent games, not only the Bayern game, but obviously mostly the Bayern game. And, Then also Marco Reus is coming back. You Rafael Guerrero is now back and he might be uh, better as a more forward-minded player under Bosch and, and surely needs to pick up some games, I guess. Even if you only want to sell him, you, you need to put him in the window. So uh, this is a, a difficult situation for Bosch, I guess. Not, not necessarily right now, but, you know, at some point in the, in the near to midterm future, I guess, uh, Yamolenko could find himself on the bench again for, you know, a couple of games in a row. And then you never know with a player who's new, who's, who's been the 
probably the biggest star in, in his home country, how he will react to perhaps not getting as much playing time for uh, a bigger club. Yeah, that's that's a tough question. And I have to be honest, if I was the coach, I would not put him in my lineup at all right now just because of his defensive contributions. I can see if a player misses a goal, that can happen. Uh, you know, you just need a bad day and uh, Sven Ulreich is exactly blind. So, you know, there was also good goalkeeping, even though I still believe that Yamolenko needs to finish the chances he had and uh, leave the one to Aubameyang. But uh Yeah, if things are not going your way, this is just how, how things are. And, um, yeah. So by just, just by assessing his defensive contributions, I would not put him in my lineup again. How, how much of a defensive contribution did Dembele do? Wasn't that always, wasn't that always our, our biggest criticism that he didn't even try? Yes, but. Yeah, but, but Thomas Tuchel somewhat knew how to mask that and, The same can't be said right now about Peter Bosch because he's playing a center back out of position behind Yamolenko, which is probably the reason why they lost against a, a pretty bad Bayern side just now. So that's, I, I, I mean, mean, that's, situ I mean, that's situation. Obviously, obviously uh, the, the, the reference to Dembele is fair and, and that was his issue too. But then again, Dembele also had more of an attacking output that, that made, uh, making up for his defensive, uh, lackings uh, more bearable in my opinion yeah i would argue the same that uh dembele just had way more to offer he's much more of a difference maker than yamolenko although yamolenko obviously as we've seen already can make the difference in the match as well um but enough with the uh negativity uh i think there were a couple of players that had quite a good game uh shinji kagawa comes to mind for example and Uh, as mentioned before, we have a lot of American listeners. So, Matthias, uh, how great of a performance was that of Christian Pulisic? Uh, Pulisic had a very good game um, overall. Uh, he tried real hard. Uh, sometimes it didn't come off, but that's to be expected, uh, especially of such a young player. Um, he was a, a difference maker in the sense that he didn't give up. You know, he talked about that, that fight and people putting their heads down. And I have to say, I'm, I'm very impressed by him because given the, uh, I guess the self implosion of the U.S. men's national team, uh, I expected him to actually be a bit down for a while after that. Um, and, and them not making the World Cup, but shows how much of a professional he is and that he is, you know, not just miles, but light years ahead of any other American player ever, uh, that he can get over that, play better. And obviously, I mean, the, the, the Dortmund goal was down to his tenacity, if nothing else. So no, he, he played really, really, really well. Um, But it's also comparatively speaking, when both teams were kind of average, he stood out. That's for sure. Yeah, that's 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 my question here because uh, you know, given that Bayern usually are on a different level than everyone else in the Bundesliga, and then you pull out this kind of performance, you know, people are always quick to. Uh, 
to talk about world class and whatnot. Um, I I personally would say he showed definitely his international class in, in this one and the burst of speed that that he has and then the way he used it was just magnificent, especially in the second half. I, I thought he absolutely killed it out there, and you know it just it just shows what kind of potential lies within Pulisic. I mean we we talk about this quite often, but I think this game highlighted it very well and uh, of course we all know with you know him being just 19 years old it's not going to be that every week but uh, as he will get older and more consistent uh, we all know um, yeah this this will happen on a more regular basis the only question is uh, whether Dortmund can keep him by then or whether he will seek for greener pastures um Lars, do you know why uh, Mario Götze did not start? Do you think that was just uh, Belastungssteuerung? Yeah, I would think so. Just because I think he's, while not having been great, especially in the last few weeks, I think for the first 10 or so matches of the season, he was probably my player of the season. I think he he had been very good uh, up until some point. Uh, he hasn't been great uh, since, I mean, the entire team hasn't been, but he... Individually, he's not been uh, great either since start of October or whenever. But uh, I, I would have presumed he would start against Bayern. So after playing 90 minutes during the week, uh, Bosch is still careful with him. And I guess that's the right right choice to do things. And, and also tactically, uh, as we talked about, he went with a 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2 hybrid, I'd say, because uh, when Bayern were in possession, Kagawa moved up to help out in pressing with Aubameyang. Or not necessarily pressing, but just, you know, as Konstantin said, they orientated two uh, individual players. So they needed two players up front to uh, cover the center backs, if you like, not letting them advance too much uh, and Kagawa does very well in that regard, so it, it made sense from a tactical standpoint to start him over Götze. And, uh, even though he's relatively fit right now, I don't think he he could have played in a double pivot, if you like, with uh, Weigel instead of Castro. So that that didn't really make sense. So I guess Götze was the odd man out here. All right, then. Uh, Konstantin, Dortmund looked far more better in the second half. Was this just due to the fact that Bayern maybe uh, took their foot off the gas already being 2-0 up? Or uh, do you think that may have something to do with Toyan coming in and Bartra moving then to the center or overall attitude? Uh, what what are the factors for that in, in your view? Yeah, all of the above, I guess. Um, it was a, yeah, I, f- I think Dortmund wanted to, to show something. It, it did take more risk than in the first half. Um, so, I mean, the, the defensive system didn't limit them as much as it, as it uh, happened in the first half. Um, and also, um, they kind of figured out that, uh, if, I mean, if, if none other player is, is ready or, or willing to, to do the tribbles or to attempt tribbles and to do something against a man marking system, which, or a man oriented system, which Byron also played, um, just, give the ball to or play the ball to um, Pulisic and then he tries something um, which kind of worked out here and there um, and also Bayern I think with a, with a 2-0 lead um, they just tried to manage uh, and to, to get o- to get over it basically uh, it's same thing they did against Leipzig uh, the week before um, I think right now um, 
team is really focused on stability. It's the highest thing um, to do, and uh, being up to nil should should always get them a win. I think the time is over, uh, which was basically the the um, last few matches uh, under Ancelotti and also the one match under Willy Zaniol. And the, the, these were the matches where Bayern, you know, they were up to nil and then uh, conceded to. Uh, at the end, so that's something that shouldn't happen uh, under Heinkes, unless it's against, I don't know, a top team in Europe, maybe. Um, but, yeah, and uh, I mean, I wasn't really surprised that they, uh, yeah, played the way they did in the second half. Um, the Dortmund looked better, I mean, it's it's maybe a moral thing, it's it's something great for the fans that, you know, it wasn't a, a blowout or anything, but, um, I mean, that then conceding the third goal of course was the, the nail in the coffin, the last one. Yeah, I presume so. And uh, yeah, with that, we may as well just ditch the uh, Dortmund Bayern talk and uh, move over to questions that, of course, some of them. Is is there one thing I can add, though? Yeah, sure. Um, just to keep things a little bit in perspective, because obviously seeing everything on Twitter, everyone freaks out all the freaking time. Um, do we remember the first league result? Tuchel had against Bayern as Dortmund manager. Oh, it was a one-five, I guess. Yes. What was yeah, do, Klopp, but, but, what was, but do we remember? Was, do we remember how Bayern played? What was Klopp's played? first one? Do we remember how Bayern played uh, when they when they play when they won five-one against Dortmund? Pep got it was best uh, probably the best performance by Pep Guardiola in his entire career. Just but it still does. But it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. People need to calm the hell down. I mean, it I mean, lo- it losing, wasn't even lo- that bad. It wasn't losing one, bad. losing one free against Pep Guardiola's Bayern would be a success, actually, right now. Um, just saying, or yeah, because they they are playing against a mediocre Bayern. That's the problem, I think. That's the problem why people freak out because Bayern is well, not that good right now. I think we're short-selling Bayern too. I think no, we're short-selling no, Bayern. No, They're not. Not, not even Bayern believe they are good right now because they aren't. They they are barely in the top eight in the Euro right now. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, that's that's why people, I guess, a little bit, and I, I guess it's also what what Lars said that uh, because Dortmund has an easy uh, had an easy schedule um, in the first five or six matches, I think uh, some fans were a little bit too pumped and thought like this year we will, we we win the championship. I think that's also something that that hurts them right now. Uh, I mean, mixing up the matches, you know, getting Bayern maybe on match day two and playing against Hannover on match day four, we would have a different discussion, I guess. So calm down or no? <laughs> I mean, of course, calm down. I mean, it's just, I, I, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I was disappointed in the quality of the match overall. It's just, but, but that's not, you know, because I, I think that's, uh, it shows how German football has declined or in the in the past few years because the, these are the two best teams. I mean, besides Leipzig, um, and yeah, it's it's more or less disappointing that now the the. The match between or the duel between Dortmund and Bayern, which was, you know, in 2013, 14, 15, was one of the highlights in world football. Right now it isn't. It's just, I mean, that's maybe disappointing. And I think uh, some Dortmund fans are disappointed because they thought after the first few match days that, you know, this year under under new coach, it will be great. Uh, it will be tremendous and it will be, you know, a championship winning season. And also what, what plays into it is that... Um, there are a lot of fans who haven't really digested the um, sacking of Thomas Tuchel. 
who still think that it was a mistake by the front office, mistake by Watzken and Sorg, that Tuchel is gone and um, that, you know, they replaced him with a, with a, with a worse coach and, you know, they had to, had a great coach uh, at hand and, you know, they, they didn't uh, keep him and was their fault and it wasn't Thomas Tuchel's fault, which is not true, actually. Um, but, I mean, to some extent, it was his fault as well. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, f- I think that's also a problem, you know, because when you read the Twitter comments and and the uh, and the uh, you know in the in the, in the online boards, the the comments, it, it's it always comes down to yeah, right now it's Bosch, but under Tuchel it was was better, or you know Tuchel uh, even even when the second season wasn't that great, um, he looked not as bad as Bosch looks right now. I guess that's that's kind of the criticism as well. So I mean, there are certain factors we play in, but we shouldn't be. You know, I mean, Dortmund won't get relegated. Yeah, well, but uh, if you're level on, <laughs> level on points with Schalke, that's always uh, yeah, that's probably that means also. you're you're in a deep deep crisis. So, um, I guess without <laughs> any further ado, we can move on to the questions. And uh, as at sniper shot with a Y uh, makes a very snide remark, asking who's to blame for recent performances besides Peter Bosch. Matthias, where do you point the finger to? Where do I point the finger? What, I point the, the, finger the entire hand at the player. Yeah, well, I mean, I have only ten fingers. There are eleven players, um, and I point them at the, at the players before I point it at Bush. I I've said it publicly, and I'll say it again. I don't think he is the main problem behind this form crisis. I think we we spoke about it. Um, we're not helped by the fact that we're rather thin at the fullback positions. We knew that going into the season. And we knew that could be a problem. Uh, and you've seen that. Bartra playing out wide when he really should be playing centrally. Schmelza, I think, is playing... If if we'd have more cover at the left-back position, proper cover at the left-back position, I don't think Schmelza would be playing just yet. But we kind of had to play him. Um, and then you look at, at simple things like Aubameyang is non-existent anymore. He's always been good at missing a lot of very good opportunities he's been he's missed a lot of very good opportunities this season yes he's also scored quite a few goals but i'm looking more at the last few matches where he's really just not turning up at all um and the ball watching issue that's been around since heck you can even point that all the way back to klopp um before Tuchel. so Defensively, players just not switching on or being switched off far too often. So I know a lot of the snide comments, you know, who's to blame aside from Bosch. I'd say there, there's equal share in blame to go around with everybody, also including the manager, because at the end of the day, he's the boss. Um, but I do not believe he deserves the burden of most of the blame. In my opinion, no, I I, I agree. I I think uh, if we have to criticize, we have to criticize a lot of players for just not showing up in parts of the season. And uh, <laughs> at Kasper Kasper twenty three on Twitter asks, when do you think we will be back in form, Lars? That might take a while, actually. Uh, Simply because Dortmund have a fairly tough schedule the rest of the year. They are traveling to Stuttgart, who haven't lost a home game the entire year. 
most of them obviously came in the second division, but still, it's a pretty good record for them. And they actually have the second best defense in the Bundesliga going by expected goals conceded. So uh, that's probably the kind of difficult Friday away match after an international break, which Dortmund have endured a couple of times in the last few years, which typically aren't overly joyful occasions for them. So that's a difficult game. Then Schalke come to town. It's even if Schalke weren't in an upswing of form, that's always a, a special story. Obviously, that's also a game where perhaps recent form isn't so important. And if you win that, that can be a catalyst to an uptick in performance. But, you know, that's very much debatable. I think right now Schalke are just a better side than Dortmund, more coherent and more compactness and whatever. But we're not a Schalke podcast. Uh, then it's uh, Bremen and Mainz, but also Leverkusen who are doing pretty well this season. They still play Hoffenheim. They have. Uh, Spurs and Real Madrid in the Champions League again, which uh, simply going by the fact that they more or less are out of the Champions League already will not be joyful occasions either. And then Bayern in the Cup again uh, to close out the season. So we are realistically looking at a lot of difficult games that Dortmund even in a better better form would be would be difficult for them to win these games. So going by their performances now you could easily say they are going to lose, you know, three, four times until the end of the year, which would be quite a lot for for uh, Dortmund standards. So ultimately, I do think uh, the, the last few games weren't the true phase of this Dortmund team, but I also don't know how good they really are. So ultimately, when will they be back in form? I'd say 2018. Yeah, especially when the uh, schedule gets easier than by default because it's just the same as, as they had at the start of the season. Um, yeah, I I always uh, wonder that myself uh, when things start clicking into gear. I think it, it helps a lot that um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Christian Pulisic and um, Shinji Kagawa all stayed in Dortmund for this international break and do not travel around the globe because more often than not, uh, especially those players, just arrive a day or two uh back in Dortmund before a match and uh, if it's a Friday game it's only going to be tougher and er everyone who ever went through a jet lag knows that uh, it can take a while uh, until you're fully back in, in your time zone and if you have to play so soon you know this can also have a long lasting effect and uh, all your good form all of the sudden is blown away as we may have seen with Aubameyang and uh, to some extent with Pulisic who after he returned from uh, the last international break had a couple of uh, games where he looked uh, terribly off so um yeah I think that in itself could help um next next question where's Wetzler Asked, was Andrei Yamolenko's early form a bit of a fluke? Seems far too dependent on his left foot. Should Philip Ober and Pulisic always start up top? I feel like we more or less addressed this issue already. Um, I, I would say, though, that I don't think he's that dependent on his left foot. I think he can do more with his right foot than he has showed against Bayern. Uh, never, nevertheless, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, it, it was all a bit of the factors we already mentioned that's easy opponents and, uh, yeah, no one really knowing him in the league, you know, made a difference. And yeah, personal form, I guess, is, is an issue too. So I, 
as as Lars already alluded to, we we don't really know, <laughs> to be honest. Um, Steve Berkowitz, where do you predict Borussia Dortmund will finish in the league at the end of the season? Uh, I'll start with you, Matthias. I guess that's a question we can all quickly answer. Um, I still say Champions League spot, uh, second, third, or fourth. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Constantine. I uh, predicted uh, before the season even started that uh, Bayern would win the championship, uh, Schalke would be one or up, and Dortmund third, Leipzig fourth, and I guess I will stick to that. All right, Lars, you predicted Dortmund to be fifth. Do you stick with that too? Yeah, well, it it, it looked terrible at the start of the season, and now uh, almost a little bit smart at least, but uh, I think it will come down to the uh, direct duels with both Schalke and Hoffenheim. And since Hoffenheim seem to be uh, quite a step below last season's form. I would probably go with fourth right now. But uh, as I said, it much will depend on the four games against Schalke and Hoffenheim the rest of the way. Well, I I would put Dortmund in third right now because I think both Bayern and, and Leipzig are better than them. I have to say I still have some issues with Schalke and their own possession game as uh, even, even though... Tactically speaking, uh, you know, they look a lot more coherent, as you said, Lars, because, uh, yeah, Domenico Tedesco finally managed to infuse some stability and uh, you never know where he's taking this team during the winter, you know, what kind of work he, he does. But uh, I at least hope that Dortmund themselves improve a lot in the winter training camp and uh, show a different face come 2018 and I think over the course of the season they still should be better than Schalke so um, yeah that's going to be interesting so my prediction will be third place and uh, at Anvil GTS and as Lars put it as he uh, uh, was so nice and uh, collected all the questions and put them into one file uh, so he and many many others asked what is wrong with Aubameyang should he be replaced how can Dortmund get the best out of him um, this is also, I guess, a little bit of a tactical question. So I will put that to you, Constantine. Uh, why is, uh, I, I guess, why, why is Aubameyang not in form right now? What uh, could be done better to, uh, you know, to further his strengths? I mean, I don't know if he's in form or not. Uh, that's usually we don't can make the judgment, uh, because we don't know. I mean, we don't know his numbers. You know, and when I talk about numbers, I mean his athletic numbers. You know, when when you would do some tests with him, I know if if he's informed there. Um, I missing a few chances it doesn't mean that Oma Young is not informed because that's kind of his deal, uh, or has been his deal, uh, for years. Um, so I don't know about that. Sure, technically, it's not really um the, the best role he can play in. Uh, which means you know he he actually is asked to do a little bit more than just uh, waiting up front uh, or near the offside line and then running deep. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's not the best role. But that was clear, you know, when when it was clear that Bosch signed the contract that it wouldn't be you know or Bosch is not the best coach or his system Bosch system is not the best system for Aubameyang but still he, he considers himself and I think a lot of uh, people in football consider him a uh, top class uh, center forward so he should be able to adapt I don't know if he's if he can um, playing him on the wing wouldn't help actually 
Um, so I think he's still, you know, in, in an asset and uh, you shouldn't bench him because you don't have uh, no replacement. I mean, Isaac is not uh, ready to, to play a lot of matches at least uh, to play against um, top tier Bundesliga competition. So Yamulenko, I wouldn't play him in the center uh, that often. You can try that here and there. You can try Philip here and there. Um, but yeah, Aubameyang is still the first string set of forward. Um, I, I guess and I expect that Aubameyang will leave next summer. Um, so you, of course, will scout our players. Um, I mean, depending uh, wherever Bosch will stay and, you know, they will trust him. Uh, maybe Dolberg is an option. The Ajax center forward uh, would be more suitable to uh, um, to um, the Bosch system actually, um, because he's you know he's more um, receive layoff kind of center forward. Um, so maybe him. But uh, the problem is that the market, uh, you know, the center forward market is pretty pretty uh, small right now and uh, I mean even the Bundesliga who's there um, I mean who's there who who could be signed by Dortmund of course Timo Werner would be interesting but Timo Werner uh, wouldn't be an improvement uh, or an upgrade to Amiang because uh, you should watch uh, Timo Werner off the ball he's quite awful often enough uh, <laughs> because he's, he it doesn't ma- make the right, he doesn't make the right decisions uh, when he's not on the ball um more often than not so and he's also like a really you know running deep kind of forward um Davy Selke is, is pretty interesting right now but I, I but he wouldn't be an improvement he wouldn't be an upgrade and I, he would also be you know he he's, he's kind of the, what you what you said about uh Castro his first touches have have some weird of weird impact <laughs> often enough um so yeah it's, it's just pretty pretty um difficult to sign a, um appropriate center forward because there aren't many um who are you know in the price range and who would be available so all in all i have no idea how Dortmund can get the best out of him i i still think you know his his form should or will improve uh, after the international break how do you see it matthias any any sort of things you can do with Aubameyang for him to get better, or is this just normal for any striker in the in the world? Like Peter Bosch always says that uh, you know even the Ronaldos of the world sometimes go through a streak where they don't score. Well, it's funny you said Ronaldo because he's going through that right now, uh, or a streak where he doesn't score. And I know, I mean, guys like Klose, Mario Gomez, everybody kind of goes through that. Apparently, everybody except Lewandowski. Uh, but even he, uh, goes through that from, from time to time, but is, or mainly down to like a couple of matches where he doesn't seemingly score. Um, he's, uh, I'd say Obama Young is susceptible to letting himself down in that aspect mentally that he just gets down on himself and, and then the funk is in. But he's also a positive enough person that given an international break, like was just said, um, I think he'll get back into goal scoring form and, and that will be a lift for the entire team. He's, he's a streaky player to a certain degree. And like Constantine already said, like we said a few months ago, it's not exactly the right tactical setup for his type of striker, but he'll still put in the goals. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I also, I also don't think, you know, 
it's it's too much of a discussion with Aubameyang because he, I don't I don't I don't know. I just think he's he's completely terrible right now. I mean, he is never too involved in games, even if he is scoring. So um, yeah, it's it's just margins. Just like he hit the post against Nicosia and in, in, instead of scoring, you know, uh, sometimes you just have those those things where you're just a millimeter off on the ball, and then it has a huge effect. On, on results, obviously. And uh, I guess the bigger issue here is Dortmund uh, are overly reliant on the goals of Aubameyang because he's scoring like half of them. So there. Lars, Nico wants to know why Dahoud is not having playing time at Dortmund. I can say that he is not injured at the moment, at least not for the last two or three games he wasn't. Uh, but uh, Hartley was in the squad's Matthias already said that uh, in his view he was just not uh, convincing enough. His passing was off. Uh, do you agree with that, or what's your assessment? I would disagree to a to a degree. I think Dahoud hasn't been fantastic for them so far. But uh, with him coming into a new team uh, late during the summer preparations after the under twenty one Euros. That's to be expected that he's not the, the huge difference maker from the start. I mean, he's also a young guy, first time switching clubs at the professional level. So I think we, we need to cut him some slack in that regard. Now, I also think he, while well, he, he, he wasn't fantastic, he improved in my opinion, uh, relatively straightforward line of progression in my opinion. He, he got better the more playing time he got. I think he still leads Dortmund in assists in the Bundesliga, uh, despite not playing much. And I, I don't know why he's not getting playing time. I don't know why he's not even in the squad. Uh, I don't know why Gonzalo Castro picks up all these minutes, because even though he's experienced, he's uh, very much inclined to ups and downs in his performances, as we've talked about for at least 18 months on this show. So... I don't really understand the the thought process of Bosch and his coaching staff, but obviously they see the guy in, in training. And f from what I've heard about Dahoud, he's got some, I, I don't want to say attitude problems, but he, he can be a bit difficult to deal with. And, and it might explain some things about uh, why he's not making the bench even in, in games where he's perhaps not the best tactical fit or whatever, but... I mean, just for example, the game against Bayern, when you're playing a double pivot, I think the natural inclination of a coach should be to put uh, Weigel and Dahoud together because those two are probably the best suited to that system. And I don't really know why it didn't come to that. So I, I do want to see more of Dahoud. I think he's done okay, at least. And, and in my opinion, even better than okay for Dortmund in his first season. And He's also offering something the others aren't, uh, the other options in central midfield aren't, and that's dynamic. Uh, he's he's really dynamic on, on and off the ball. He's more aggressive than Castro, for example, off the ball. He's putting in some crunching tackles every now and then. He doesn't let anybody walk over him, which I guess is a quality that Dortmund's midfielders sometimes lack a little bit. So, And he's also... Uh, very good around the opponent's box. He's got a delicate touch. He's uh, got a good feeling for for spaces, for for tight spaces. So he brings all the things to the table that you need from a central midfielder, especially when you're lacking a bit in the creative department and other positions. You know, you're you're playing with without a real right back at the moment. 
your left back isn't in form, so your wing play is lacking a bit, so you need more from your midfielders. And I don't really know why the Hood isn't figuring into Bosch's plans at the moment, but I also know that he's such a young player, as I said, making his, his first steps at Dortmund, that for all I know, he's going to uh, turn things around and, and become a bigger part at some point this season, and that might even start uh, after the international break, even though he's away with Germany on... Uh, Germany's under 21s on international duty, but, you know, uh, Bosch might reset some of this thinking too, so it's not like this is going to be a lost season just because the Hood hasn't been playing much in the month of October. Yeah, definitely, though, you know, I I feel like it's a little bit annoying that he gets so little playing time for the reasons you mentioned, especially his aggression that he has and uh, looking at how poorly Dortmund <laughs> pressed in some games, that's... Uh, yeah, you know, Mahmoud Dahoud, I think, with the way he's playing, is just annoying. So, yeah, I guess I guess we can we can move on. And uh, the the question uh, was from someone who was already on the show. It's Manuel Fed. Uh, you may know him from the Gegenpressing podcast. And he said, my answer would be no, but uh, to the panel, should Borussia Dortmund pull a Bayern and fire the head coach. Uh, my answer would be a resounding no. I think it's still far too early for that. And I don't see any reason why. Uh, because, you know, as we already assessed, uh, a lot of criticism can also be put more on the player than, or players rather than on the coach. Matthias? Well, I think, you know, judging from my answer earlier about the first question, absolutely not. It would be the dumbest thing you could do at this point. It's not comparable to the Bayern situation with Ancelotti, who had already been there a whole year, and they kind of saw the trend in which way it was going, which was only down. Um, here, like you said, it's way too early. It would be stupid, and I just don't see them doing it. Constantine, any other answer than no? No. <laughs> Lars? No, but I do feel like uh, Bosch might just not be cut out for a job of this magnitude. But the problem is always uh, whenever people call for the sacking of a manager, it doesn't even matter if it's football or uh, the NFL or whatever. What's the alternative? Who, who do you want to appoint right now? Nobody's available for Dortmund. I mean, uh, if, if Lucien Favre were to be sacked by Nice and Dortmund have a terrible rest of the year, I could see discussions internally about going with the guy they they wanted to get uh, in the summer but he's not available so that's not a talking point for right now and unless someone has a great alternative uh, to the guy they already have they they should just let him try to prove that he's the he's the right man for the job and and that's certainly what Dortmund will do I mean even if we were all to say uh, he has to be sacked there's I'd say pretty much a zero percent chance that Peter Bosch is going to be sacked uh, during the the during the seasons or the half seasons, and I I also say it's very very unlikely it's going to happen in the winter. But as I said, I think last week I wouldn't at all be surprised if this was a one and done deal for him after the season. Yeah, it's interesting to see how this entire thing will pan out and how the atmosphere will develop. You know, I think. Uh, you know, things could get rather uncomfortable for, for Dortmund overall if they don't win in Stuttgart, which is absolutely possible given it's a Friday after the international break and Stuttgart are very strong at home. I, th I think still unbeaten there. And uh, 
Then, of course, there's the Revere Derby, a game that Dortmund can also absolutely lose with Domenico Tedesco probably adjusting his side just so they will highlight Dortmund's weaknesses and maybe nullify their strengths. You know, that's just something that's uh, up in my head. So we will see how things go then. But uh, yeah, for now, I would definitely hold on to the coach. And, uh, you know, overall, I think that's, you know, the, the long-term idea, although he's just on a two, two-year contract. But uh, yeah, we will we will see. Um, on the other hand, at El Shock asks, how do we get Matthias Sommer to implement a winning mentality at the club, Matthias? <laughs> um, well, I think Matthias Sama is enjoying his time away right now. It's, I've seen him a few times and he, he's probably the most enjoyable <laughs> right now to be around Matthias Sama for anybody in the last 25 plus years. Um, you know, we can't forget that, uh, you know, he left Bayern not because he wanted to, but because medically he had to. And I don't know if that's totally out of the woods yet. He's, you know, he's a family man too. So I, I wouldn't bet on Zama coming back to save Dortmund the same way he did 15 years ago. No, but, but. And save would be the wrong word. No, of course. But honestly, do you think if Dortmund, for whatever reason, installed Matthias Zama at some position in Dortmund, do you think? Uh, that would make sense, would improve the club, and uh, is there even a position free for him? No, there's not. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to replace Michael Zorc? That's not going to happen. So I don't really see him fitting in in any capacity, to be perfectly honest. All right. I don't. Are there any answers, uh, different answers to that question? Otherwise, I'll just move on. Well, I will say that uh, Vatska's contract is up in 2019 and he's at an age where, you know, hanging up those cleats is not out of the question. And I do feel like, I mean, that's something international listeners can't really uh, gauge from their own view because they, they don't see him. But uh, some are certainly talking a lot more positively about Dortmund uh, in his new gig at Eurosport for the Friday evening matches than he had obviously while at Bayern but also as a as a pundit before I do feel like he's he's trying to build some bridges which had been fairly severely burned because uh, I don't know if, if we ever talked about it on the show but uh, Zama is very much a Gerd Niebaum person and that was the president who almost collapsed Dortmund into oblivion financially and uh, naturally, uh, Vatske saving the club and, and Zorc being a big factor in the sporting revival after Vatske and others obviously saved the club from financial ruin. There's some level of uh, animosity, I, I, I think we can say, between those parts in the club. And, and certainly, I mean, uh, Zorc already worked with Summer and they didn't really get along too well uh, in directorial roles. So. Uh, even as players, yeah, even I mean, if, yeah, even but, as players, they butted heads a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that that can also be fruitful for a club. But when the same happens between the sporting director and the head coach, that's more of a problem, I would say. And and, and, and to me, it do it does feel like Zama is perhaps not necessarily setting up getting a job at Dortmund, but I do feel like he may be angling to come back into 
the Bundesliga in some sort of way. I mean, it doesn't have to be a Dortmund. I, I do think he 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 gets that 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 tingling sensation that he wants to come back into a, a more regular role at a club, but whether that's at Dortmund or anywhere else, or, or maybe actually coming back to a national team somewhere, that that might also be the case. But uh, I I don't think Zama is going to come to Dortmund as a coach. So that that cheeky, not overly serious question of uh, Sebastian uh, doesn't have to be taken too seriously. Fine. All right. Another question that doesn't ha have to be taken too seriously is from at Ikra Mumal. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Uh, how likely is it that Watzke and Co. fire Bosch and bring back Tuchel? I would say the likeliness is an absolute zero. I don't, I don't see a snowball's chance in hell for Thomas Tuchel to get back into any position at Dortmund while Watzke and Sork are in office. Do we should just move on, right? I mean, he can't even get a job at other clubs because of what happened at Dortmund. So naturally, he's not going to come back to Dortmund like ever, presumably. Yeah, who knows? Never say. Oh, and, and, but but you will, but you will get a uh, new job next summer, as we know. Yeah, but this season he didn't, and that's only because of what happened at Dortmund. I mean, we uh, I, we all know, and, and most of our listeners will know that Leverkusen wanted to appoint him, but someone high up the hierarchy at that club pulled the trigger and said no because of uh, fear of backlash from Leverkusen's gazillions of fans, I guess, uh, because they weren't comfortable with the person and and. I do think Bayern, who are very likely to appoint him next summer, would perhaps have been more inclined to sign him this season if the exit at Dortmund had gone even a little bit more smoothly than it did. So, summarizing, no. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, going over to transfers and miscellaneous questions. Um, Emmett Da Costa asks, how are the loan players in brackets, uh, parentheses, Paslak and Bunic are doing. Uh, Felix Paslak at Tottenham, I think, is not doing awfully well right now. Uh, I don't know how many minutes he's getting, but I hardly ever see him. So right now, that's not a loan move that is working out too well for Felix Paslak. Of course, uh, his form harshly declined last season in Dortmund, and it always made sense for him to go elsewhere. Um, but right now, not really, not really going anywhere. Um, so. I guess that's that's bad. And uh, Felix Bunic, uh, has any one of you guys actually watched Stuttgart uh, so far this season? Because I I have to be honest, I haven't. I only saw him get sent off uh, against Hamburg, which uh, was a bit laughable. However, I don't know if he's a regular starter or not. He's not. So he's not. I mean, that's just Gentner's injury, of course, the face injury. Uh, which was which was pretty bad, and after uh, that, uh, Askazi Bar and Mangala, former Dortmund player, um, they are usually playing in center midfield. I mean, he got his chance, um, you know, against uh, Hamburg uh, when Mangala was uh, benched, but he got sent off, so he won't get uh, the chance to play against Dortmund. And yeah, I've, I mean, I think he he barely has played more than I don't know 180 minutes or so so far so um no he's he's just there basically the fourth the fourth choice 
Um, I mean, recently you got a little bit more time. Um, I think he played against Freiburg and, and Leipzig. Uh, he's improving, but um, he's he's not ready to play for Dortmund at this point. Yeah, I would I would agree. Emmett always want, also wants to know whether Jeremy Tolian is a failed signing. Uh, Matthias. Uh, failed signing maybe a little bit too harsh and too early. He had a couple of good matches, a couple of bad matches. Um, you know, I'd say he's an average Bundesliga player. He's not amazingly great, uh, but he fulfills a good role. Um, so, no, I'd say it's way too early to call anybody a failure at this point. Yeah, I concur. Any different answers? I hear your head shaking. So at Rayleigh945 asks, where do Borussia Dortmund need to strengthen in the winter transfer window? Alas. Uh, I think they the only thing they need to strengthen is their resolve and their resolve to stay out of the winter transfer market because usually the, the deals you sign in winter don't typically pan out too well. There's... Uh, there's a lot of money in, uh, coming in from the Premier League usually, so you you get uh, stuck with second or third rate players to to fill immediate holes. And I think if Dortmund ever get some sort of uh, health in their squad, they don't really have too many holes. Just in terms of numbers, uh, we talked about earlier about some of the positions where Dortmund can improve, but that's not something you do in the winter. Usually that's more of a summer transfer window thing. And, and uh, the problem is, in my opinion, for Dortmund to sign anybody, they need to thin out their squad a bit because there are a number of players who shouldn't be on their payroll still. And that's not only uh, Jogurt Park and and uh, Nevin Zubotic. Obviously, we can't put them in the same basket, but for all intents and purposes, they are both are players who are not going to play unless there are serious injury problems. Uh, the Zubotic playing time against Frankfurt, which I still don't understand why Zagadou didn't play, notwithstanding. And not only them, but also I think uh, someone like Rode, Schürrle, we've mentioned before. There are a few others, uh, but there's no market for these for these players, so you're not going to be able to to flip them for money, especially in the winter, uh, where everyone but England in, in, it seems uh, sits on their money for for good reason, I believe. So, uh, I mean, obviously there there's if there's a deal to be made. For example, to sign another center forward and, and maybe loan Alex Isaac out because he's not going to be ready for at least another 18 months or so, then that's something they should look into. I mean, for example, Dolberg is not really getting too much playing time at Ajax with the return of Klaas-Jan Huntelaar and, and he's not hitting the uh, the highest in terms of goal scoring and, and whatever. So if for, for whatever reason Ajax were, would be willing to let him go, come to Dortmund and take Alex Isak on loan, for example, then that's something they obviously should at least look into seriously, but that's very unlikely to happen. And everything else in the winter transfer window, to me, feels like stopgapping and, and Flickschustern, as we say in German, and, and that's just something Dortmund shouldn't dabble in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very important uh, that uh, Dolberg is not kept for the Europa League. 
So that's <laughs> making him all the more attractive for Dortmund. Um, yeah, there was one question. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, there was one about the uh, center backs from the under 19s and whether Dortmund should, uh, or whether there is anyone who Dortmund could pull up from the youth ranks right now. And so since I admittedly do not follow the under 19s that closely, I asked Niklas Kur, who is uh, one of the people who run the at BVB Jugend Twitter account, and he asked me, well, and he answered, basically, Kilian may be the most mature of all the players at centre-back, but overall, he does not see anyone who is mature or far enough right now to really help the professionals, so... I guess in short, there's there's no one, there's no one right now. No, and and why would you throw anybody in there at this point? I mean, you have veterans are are not are are switching off too often. You throw in a kid in there, I mean, you could have a Marian Za and ruin him for the rest of his career. I, I will say that Dortmund got screwed out of a great prospect in uh, Patrick Fritsch, who has the the same issue as Marianza, who's also a pretty good prospect, and that's just so many injuries at a young age. I mean, uh, had Fritsch progressed the way they, the people at the club expected him to, uh, he would probably get playing time right now, and, and they might not have signed uh, Dan Axel Sagadu. I mean, he's he's he was really on a on a pretty good trajectory to have a nice career for Dortmund, and, and maybe even more than that, because he's uh, he was the 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 kind of modern day center back everybody's looking for it seems so but but with his injuries he's not a, a factor and, and as i said they really got screwed out of a, a great talent there and that's just one of those sad things and but also a cautionary tale never to put too much into uh your youth setup it's always nice when they when they play well and, and Dortmund had these four consecutive championships but when you look at it you know, two or three years down the road from now, I think it's very likely that Christian Pulisic is the only only senior Dortmund player out of that team because Paslak and Bornic, I don't think they are really Dortmund material. I mean, Paslak has a chance uh, with his mentality, especially he he if if he wants something, I think he can achieve it, but he's not naturally talented enough, probably for Dortmund. I would say, and and Bornic, uh, you know he's a he's a nice talent, but there are nice talents uh, in the second and third divisions as well. So that's more where I see his future, especially in the second. I think that's more of his ne- uh, level. So that those were the the, the big names, and, and that's the the way things work with new setups. They it, it's not about winning championships; it's about developing talents and. I mean, getting one Pulisic out of a youth setup uh, is more than most clubs uh, manage. So this isn't a criticism of Dortmund. It's just facing a reality that uh, getting players to make that jump is very difficult and and something that very few clubs get uh, right regularly. Like you know the Real Madrids of the world, where that they they do this really well, but. You know, even Barcelona have had problems getting players out of La Masia in, in recent years. So uh, people shouldn't expect to get great talents, you know, on a yearly basis out of the youth academies. That's just not how becoming a professional works. And uh, but 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 the Patrick the Patrick Fritsch story is not over. Uh, it's just yeah, yeah, this uh, second. Uh 
ACL tear, but it's not over. I you can recover from that. So maybe maybe he will be a, f- a Dortmund player, you know, in two two or three years we will maybe talk about him. Who knows? Uh, but I mean, I agree. Other than that, I mean, there are not really. Uh, there's not a pool of talent right now um, playing for uh, either the the under 19, under 17, or the, the under 23 um, teams. So, and yeah, but on the other hand, you see, I mean, Leipzig is a good example. Of course, they have money, but they don't have more money than Dortmund. Um, you you see, you know, players like Upamecano. Um, you need you you just need a. Uh, wide and and big scouting network, and you need you know you have your your you need to have your eyes open, um and and see these talents you know playing maybe in the second French league or wherever, um and and get them. Um, so I mean, Sagadou was a, was a great signing, and I think Dortmund should should do a few more. And and in, in, in the past two years, I mean, they they signed a few other uh, young talents, and it hasn't always worked out the way they wanted it. To um, I mean, with Emre Moore, for instance, who of course was sold uh, during the summer after only one year, and uh, Mikel Marino tragedy. I call it a tragedy. Yeah, I agree. Especially if you when you see what Marino is able to do now at at Newcastle with a little bit more confidence of his uh, coach. I would argue uh, if Dortmund are lacking a player in midfield and holding midfield, especially the way Peter Bosch wants to play, uh, Mikel Marino would have been perfect and uh, probably be getting a couple more minutes than Rui Schein right now, at least on paper, because I, I think Marino is just a little bit more aggressive too. And, yeah, and and also just, just I mean, uh, uh, Jaden Sancho is also I mean, a signing, which is promising. Um I think what what you can't do is uh, going for these yeah also young players uh, which are already uh, who are already um, established in Europe basically you know who are already uh, well known entities in Europe that's the problem um, you know even even if you are a, a place uh, to be for young talents it's it's it becomes more and more or it becomes much harder right now um, to sign these nineteen euros who have already you know. 10 15 champions league appearance under their belt um so you have to sign the upamecanos and the saga of the world yeah but if if i may make one addition uh you know we were talking about lonies and uh pascal stenzel playing at freiburg as a right back i think he's doing quite well actually right now and uh, yeah but he's not on loan is he not anymore? I thought he was. No, they they bought him outright. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I mean, Dortmund Dortmund got four million for a player who I think played two senior games for Dortmund, and one of those came in the Europa League. So it was a, a fairly decent deal for them. But uh, yeah, I, I, he's actually doing fine. And and with the shortage of right backs generally on the market, uh, maybe that's uh, uh, someone Dortmund might go after in two or three years to to get someone back to help out in the post pitch check era. Yeah, we will see. That's that's uh, obviously a big discussion and has already been on many podcasts before. Uh, Lukas Pischek, uh yeah, decline of form, not great, but uh, when he's not there, it's even worse apparently. So uh, yeah, Jeremy Tolian alone, of course, can't be the solution. So Dortmund will become active on the transfer market and look for more right backs next summer. I'm 
pretty sure of that. If not, they are out of their minds unless uh, Kopac miraculously develops into a world-class right back. But um, yeah, that's probably not going to happen so quickly. So um, anything else that needs needs to be needs to be discussed, Matthias, while I lose my language capabilities. No, I don't think so at this point anymore. All right. So one and a half hours into the show, I can ask Konstantin Eckner where people can find him on the internet to do the outro. Um, on Twitter, of course, as always, uh, cc underscore eckner is my Twitter handle, and check out spifolaron.com. Very nice. Lars, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman, but uh, one thing I... Uh, might uh, add to our show is that we haven't done a B4B fans from around the world segment in a while and it, it can be a bit difficult for us to find people who want to talk to us so if you're listening to this right now and and possibly if I may say you're not an American because we had a lot of Americans on in that segment maybe you just shoot us a line on Twitter or via our contact form so we can set something up because it's something that I think it's probably my favorite segment hearing all those stories and, and others will feel the same. And as I said, it can be difficult to find people for that. So if, if you want to talk to us, just uh, give us a shout. Will you also do the interview then? If you want me to, Stefan, I can do that. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> What's why are you laughing, Constantine? Why are you so negative? Oh, it sounded like it sounded like uh, you know, uh, Lars was advertising something which is you know extra or which means extra work for you, and you were you know that's why you said. But the the, the, the the problem is, uh, I mean, not necessarily a problem, but we've kind of promised people to do this, so I'm just holding up our end of the bargain, if you like. Okay, President Pullman, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, please uh, get in touch with uh, Lars or myself. I should have time, although it's a bit limited these weeks, but uh, eventually it'll free up again. Uh, who else am I missing? Matthias. Hmm? Yes. Where can people get in touch with you? <laughs> <laughs> At Matthias Suk on Twitter. Oh, that's so very nice. And you can find myself on Twitter as well, at Stefan Butzko. You can find my work on ESPNFC. And uh, if you want to get in touch with all of us or drop us a line, you can do that also at YellowWallPod on Twitter. Facebook, pretty much the same. If you want to read our stuff, our written content, you can do that on YellowWallPod.com. And uh, subscribe to the show via iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And uh, if you want to put more pressure on us to bring back the Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world segment, which we should have done in the first place, you can go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall and do that and uh, make our conscience even worse. So with that, once again, thanks for listening and thank you for all the questions we had. And with that, until next week, where we have to preview Borussia Dortmund's game against Stuttgart and also Tottenham, if I'm not mistaken. So until then, goodbye.